see everyone, and I'm thankful that the sun is shining today and that you're here with us. My name is Jason Bentley, and I serve as the lead pastor here. And I just want to personally take a moment just to thank you for being with us today. Those of you that are here every week, of course, we are so grateful that you're part of the family. And then for those of you that might be visiting with us first, second, third time, we consider you to be a VIP and we are thrilled that you're here today. And our heart is that you will just receive the best that God has for your life today, that you'll leave out of here inspired and encouraged, knowing that you're loved with some tangible things that are going to help you in the days ahead. So welcome. I hope that you already feel comfortable and at ease. We're not going to do anything that's going to put you out of your comfort zone. We're just really glad that you're here today, and it's a great Sunday to be at Waterview because it's all about small groups right now here in this season of our church, and small groups are, as the name suggests, smaller groups of people that meet throughout the week and homes, restaurants, apartment cabanas that meet all around the Lake Norman area. And they center around different topics, different, different focal points. And the purpose is so that people can grow in their relationship with God and each other. And we do this. It's a big, big part of our church. In fact, it's the best thing that we do as a church because the Bible teaches us that when we get in life-giving relationships, that it has a powerful effect on our life, that we actually will flourish spiritually and will actually grow in freedom. So it's really important that we get into small groups. And so today our directory is open. I would encourage you to go to the Waterview app. Make sure you download it. It's, it's a free resource we've made available. You'll be able to check out all of our groups. And then you'll also be able to open up our digital worship guide, follow along with the message notes today as well, many other things. Use our app, go to our website, but we want to make sure that you're in a group. In fact, the majority, if not all of the groups, are going to be starting this week, so we want you to be a part of that, and we just want you to begin to see what God can do in your life through centering your life around him with others, because we all need inspiration. We all need those kinds of things. And so we're glad that you're here so that you can be a part of the best things that we do as a church. Last week, if you're just joining us today, last week we started a brand new series called Basics. And our series is all about relationships. We wanted to take some time because February is the month that has Valentine's Day, as well as this was the month where they kicked off the new season of The Bachelor. We felt like it was really important to spend some time talking about relationships, and, and your response may be relationships. Why in the world would you take a few weeks to talk about relationships? Relationships are a walk in the park, and I would say you've got that right. Relationships are a walk in the park, Jurassic Park. And we need to be prepared for it, and we need to see what God's Word has to say about it so that our romantic relationships can flourish. Because do you know that love and sex and romance and marriage, all of that, they're gifts from God. It's what God gave 
to us. But sadly, the church for so long has been quiet about those things. We kind of want to tiptoe around it, blush as if church isn't a place to talk about it. But this is where we should be proclaiming it because it's a gift from God. So we want your marriages to go to the next level. Those of you that are not married, we want you to, when the time is right, to get married. It's the, it's the goodness of God, what God wants us to have. And of course, we're doing small groups, and that's about relationships with others. Relationships are a part of every aspect of our life. Like, we can't escape them. I mean, Tom Hanks, when he was stranded on a desert island, was so starred for relationship that he started one with a volleyball. So come on, people. Relationships are very, very important. And last week, the big idea that we focused on was that when it comes to relationships, they all need roses and they need boxing gloves because in every relationship, there's going to be a romantic aspect, an enjoyable aspect, a thrilling aspect, an exciting aspect, and then there's going to be a, a fighting aspect. And all relationships are going to have fighting, but we get to choose what kind of fighting we're going to do. We're either going to fight in the marriage and when we fight in the marriage, we're focusing on our needs, we're focusing on our rights, we're focusing on what we feel like we deserve. That's when we fight in the marriage. We're noticing the way that the other's failing us and letting us down and how they can never get anything right and how they're always messing up. And I've told them a million times and yet they're still doing it. That's when you fight in marriage, but we can make the choice to actually fight for marriage. We can fight for the relationship. And when we fight for the relationship, it looks completely different. We actually stop focusing on our rights and we actually start looking at and focusing on our responsibilities because that was the way that Jesus, that's the way that Jesus approached all of his relationships. So our eyes last week were turned back to Jesus as our ultimate example in everything, even in relationships. And we talked about how in order, in order for us to be able to fight for our relationships, whether that be marriage or, or coworkers or whatever the case may be, that we've got to have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, and that mindset was one of humility. That mindset was one of, I'm not looking out for me, I'm actually going to look out for you, putting the other person's needs ahead of our own. And if we would all be committed to the responsibilities of taking care of the other person, then things would be so much better. So that's what we're after, really, the big idea in this series that we would have the same mindset as Jesus. So I want to direct your attention to Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5 because this is really the foundational scripture of our series. We're kind of hanging all of it on this verse. It's the anchor for what we've been exploring together. And it says this, in your relationships with one another. And I'll pause here and say this is not just a marriage series. It's not just about romantic relationships because we recognize there's some of you that are not married and there's others of you that were married but are not and others of you that you're not old enough and the list goes on and on and on and some of you just don't want yet to be married and we get all of that so we don't want you to feel excluded and that's why the word teaches us that in all of our relationships with one another have the same mindset 
as Christ Jesus. In all of your relationships, it's still all about Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you say, I'm a Christian, I'm, I'm with Jesus, then all relationships should have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So from that, we are going to springboard into what I want to talk with you about today, which is the subject of life-giving communication. Life-giving communication. Proverbs 10 and verse number 11 has this to say. Proverbs, of course, was written by Solomon, the wisest man who's ever lived. And this is what he says, the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. And I love that. That could easily become one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. So one thing that we could do even in this moment is just kind of look into the mirror of God's word. And if we think ourselves to be godly, if we think of ourselves being like Jesus, then let's, let's examine ourselves If we consider ourselves to be living our lives after him and we look in the mirror of his presence, are our words, is the way that we communicate, is it a life-giving fountain? Because the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. You see, the big idea that that I want to unpack today, and maybe you can write this down if you're taking notes, is simply good communication, life-giving communication. It's the oxygen, it's the soil, it's the sunshine for all healthy relationships. It's all about good, life-giving communication. And when that is present, just like the flowers that are kind of confused as to what season it is right now, and on the days where it's like 65, they're coming out, and then when it plunges to 28, they're pulling back in. Just like the flowers in our garden, all of the relationships in our home, at the office, at school, all the relationships in our life, all the ways that our family dynamics mesh, they are going to become better and they're going to become stronger if we put all this together, having the same mindset as Jesus, where we're going to serve the others, meet their needs, focus on our responsibility to help the other, and then speak words that are life-giving, communicate in a way that's life-giving. The National Association of Colleges and Employers, they did a survey that revealed that good communication was the number one skill wanted by the top most successful companies in the United States. And the Bible, the Bible, it's been telling this for years. The Bible has been actually trying to teach this to to mankind for thousands of years because the Bible has a lot to say about the power and the effectiveness of life-giving communication. Now, this terminology, life-giving, might be a little new to you. In fact, we actually market, we advertise, we reveal the identity of this church that you're a part of here today as being number one, non-denominational, and number two, as life-giving. And I have found that while the majority of people understand what non-denominational means, 
A lot are a little confused as to what life-giving means, but it's the most important distinction, I think, that we carry as a church. We are a life-giving church, and in fact, a couple of months ago, I took some of our team away to just spend some time teaching them what it means, like the 10 hallmarks of a life-giving church. And so to be life-giving is powerful. To be life-giving is a game-changer. It's transformative, which is why we've got to have life-giving communication. So this is what the Word of God teaches us life-giving communication looks like. Proverbs 10, in fact, this chapter is full of different verses. We'll hit a few of them. We read the first one already. The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. And then it reads, wise words come from the lips of people with understanding. The wise measure their words. The speech of a good person is worth waiting for. The words of the godly encourage many. The mouth of the godly person gives wise advice. The lips of the godly speak helpful words. I mean, that's really the best way to kind of describe what life-giving communication is. It has these components. There's wise words, measured words, encouraging words. There's wisdom. There's advice. There's words that are helpful. That's really what it means to be life-giving. And I think all of us would agree here today, know this already. Man, you made me get out of bed for this. Like, I intrinsically, inherently know this, and I know that you do. You're the smartest group of people that I get to talk to week in and week out. And I get that. And we all know this at our core, but as we kind of take the temperature of our relationships, are we implementing what we know into the practical day-to-day of our lives. In fact, I would say this, and it's sad that it works like this, but generally in our everyday lives throughout the week, we tend to be more life-giving with strangers and less life-giving with those that we have come the closest to. In other words, we can be very gracious, very life-giving, very encouraging to someone that we'll never see again because it's our presenting self, like, oh, bless you, baby. You look so good. How's it going today? Oh, me too. You go, girl. You're just, oh, you're so awesome. And, oh, no problem at all, you know. And, and we'll, we'll be so life-giving with strangers. And then by the time we get home, and I'm guilty of it myself, we want to take out all of our frustrations, all of the regrets of not ripping that other person a new one. We take all that out on the people that we are the closest to, that, that are stuck with us, basically, and can't do anything about it. So that's really where the problem lies. The problem lies in our communication, whether or not we're life-giving or not, when our relationships struggle. It's amazing how we'll consciously know all of these things, and then the moment there's misunderstanding the moment that there's issues, we forget it all. It just goes out the window, and then we default to something that is life-draining, something that's harmful to our relationships. 
And this is what I've found, and I'm sure you have as well, that when relationships struggle, communication gets more difficult because there are times when you don't really know what to say, and then there's other times you just really don't know how to say it. And so what we do is anything but life-giving. Like Proverbs 10 goes out the window. Measure our words. Ha! Wise words, ha! encouraging words, yeah, right. We resort to sarcasm in our communication. We resort to stonewalling in our communication. We'll get real, real quiet. We won't talk to the other person. We'll punish them for days on end, weeks on end, whatever the case may be. There's sarcasm. There's underlying subtle jabs. There's pointed statements talking down, there's put-downs, outright put-downs, all of which are, of course, not at all life-giving. And so today, my heart, because we're talking about basics, my heart is to share with you just a few ways that you can begin to cultivate life-giving communication in your world, how your home can begin to flourish how, how your job can begin to flourish, how your church life, your small group can begin to flourish simply because you're being more intentional and in being life-giving. The first, the first bit of wisdom I want to leave with you is this, and that is to be generous in your gestures. Be generous in your gestures, meaning that we're going to always understand and realize that communication has more components than just the words that are coming out of our mouth. And that we need to be self-aware of our body language. Of course, the, the actual words that we're saying, what we're verbally speaking, but our tone, our body language. If we could start being very generous in our gestures when it's time for communication and where we're very present, we're very focused, we're choosing to begin an important conversation when all parties involved can be focused and can be present in it. This is really just a matter of generosity, being generous in gestures. I'm going to be generous enough with you that I'm going to put this down, I'm going to walk away from this, we're going to sit, we're going to talk. I'm not going to get in your face. I'm going to be mindful of personal distance. If what we're discussing requires some level of intimacy, I might then move closer to communicate my absolute interest in what it is that you're saying. But it's just about being generous in gestures, being aware that kind of ways that we communicate outside of our words could be saying something totally different to the other person. Like our words could be saying, I'm listening to you, I hear you, yeah, 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 but the other part of us is very closed off, very shut down, communicating something different. The second way that we can engage in life-giving communication is to simply be interested in what the other person is interested in. Like when you're talking... Allow them, in fact, practice the art of getting them to talk about what it is that they love and what matters to them. Regardless of where someone comes from, 
what language they speak, their life experience. Do you know what the number one subject is that everybody loves to talk about? Themselves. (laughs) Themselves. And when you practice life-giving communication, you recognize that. And rather than just be all about sharing what's happening in your world, lean into hey, tell me about your week. Tell me about you. I'd love to hear this about your story and be interested in what they're interested in. I mean, we kind of get this as parents because our kids are into all kinds of weird things over the course of their upbringing. I mean, my 10-year-old that's in fifth grade, he has had the weirdest interests over the last three years. Now, now his thing is anime, Japanese anime, and I know absolutely nothing about it. And he'll come to me with these pictures and all of these things, and, and, and I have to, because I want to be life-giving with him, I've got to at least appear as though I'm interested in what he's interested in. Instead of, oh, yeah, okay, okay, son, that's great. Now, let me tell you about Waterview, what God's doing at Waterview. Let's, you have a minute, I'd love to tell you about how things are going. Now, I want to be life-giving. I want to I bring out the joy that's in him, the thing that's making him tick. And so I'm going to try to focus in on, so tell me more about this. Explain to me about that. Oh, that's an odd name. What does that mean? And, and be interested in what they're interested in. You know, if we would practice that in in all the arenas where we have relationships, this is one practical, fundamental way that we'll all be able to overcome our own selfishness. Because a big part of the human nature, the big part of our, our, our sinful nature, is that it makes us very selfish. But if we, if we are interested in what others are interested in, we're, we're fighting against that selfishness, always. We're pushing back against it. And I've observed this. My own family is guilty of it as well. I have seen where when families are together, where it's for the holidays, people come in from all over, or just a regular night out at a restaurant for dinner, you just observe different family dynamics. And I have seen where families will often sit in silence with one another because all of them have different interests. And nobody is leading the way with being interested in what everyone else is interested in. So they just all sit there and they just check out thinking about or focusing on their own interests. That's, that's not life-giving. That's not the picture of family that God has for us. It's okay to have different interests, but we should be interested in what other people are, are interested in. A third way that we can practice life-giving communication is to circulate praise for other people that live and that work in our world. To circulate praise for them. Like, instead of what we generally do, which is, hey, come here, let me, let me tell you about old Joe. Did you hear about what he did Man, can you believe that? Oh, I'm, I'm concerned about some things. I've got some concerns. Let me tell you about Joe. Like, ooh, don't tell anybody this. But, and, and what we do is we get with people, and instead of circulating life-giving things, we circulate toxic things. We circulate complaints and criticisms and divisions and concerns and all of these things. What if... What if we would actually practice 
gossiping about other people, but but actually spreading good things. Like, did you hear about Joe? Don't tell Joe this. Don't tell anybody this, but Joe has been killing it. Like, I can't believe Joe has been on fire. It's absolutely, it's blowing my mind right now. What if we practiced circulating praise for the people that's, that's in our life, bragging on one another, choosing to focus on things to brag about rather than things to condemn. In fact, the Bible says this, Philippians 4 verse 8, the Apostle Paul writes and says, now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. And you know when a preacher says one final thing, like it's probably a pretty important one. And he says, fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And you know what's sad? I almost, I almost hesitated in including this passage in our discourse today because for so many, we quote this, we have it up on the refrigerator. This verse has almost become a cliche for us. But how many of us are actually living this out and doing this? Fix your thoughts, all your thoughts, your focus. Fix it on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Be thinking about things in your partner. Be thinking about things in your children. Be thinking about things in your coworker that are excellent, that are worthy of praise. Let's identify what's positive and others and focus on them and start getting that circulating around and just getting a whole bunch of good gossip, a whole bunch of compliments, a whole bunch of praise. Again, you, you look at me in disbelief like that would never happen in our world, and that's exactly the point. We, we have so many relational issues because we're not doing the basics, like, let's just find things that we can, we can celebrate, and let's, let's talk about that. The fourth thing, when you're, when you're talking about life-giving communication that I wanted to share with you today is this, that we should be easy to talk to about hard things. Because in, in communication, in relationships, there's what is, what is said, what is put out, what is extended, And then there is what is listened to, what is received, what is brought in. And in all relationships, there's going to be times where there's got to be some hard discussions. Not insulting discussions, not put-down discussions, but just some hard things. Like, Your stinky socks on the floor are driving me crazy. So in life-giving communication, we got to focus on like both aspects of that communication. There's the person that has to communicate, your stinky socks are driving me crazy. How can I communicate that in a way that's not life, that's life-giving, that's not that's not harsh? Like I don't want to lead with, hey bozo, if you don't get those socks picked up like I'm going to the attorney's office Jack you're done 
Like how, how can we be more life-giving in the, the delivering part of it? But, but on the other side, how can we get to the point where we get easier to talk to about hard things? What if we determined in our heart and in our life with God's help, with the help of the Holy Spirit, that we were not going to always be on edge, we were not going to be defensive, we weren't going to put up walls, we weren't going to focus on how to shut out what somebody's trying to speak to us because sometimes the people that really love you and care about you and have your best interest in mind, they want to have a hard conversation with you because they love you, not because they hate you or dislike you. They actually are trying to help you. And so when, when we go into these conversations, and there might be some hard things, to, to be easy to talk to about hard things, do this. Number one, assume that the person loves you. Now, of course, you've got to triage each and every hard conversation. Like a stranger coming up to you on the street has not earned the right to have a hard conversation with you. But when you're talking about important people in your life, important relationships, we should, if we're going to be life-giving people, assume that the person loves us. Also, we should assume and be aware that they are uncomfortable about even taking this risk to communicate something that's difficult. And then third, that at the end of the day, they have your best interest in mind. And where we're going to just decide, I am not going to use premature conclusions as a defense mechanism. So when they start in in a life-giving way to help me, I don't respond with, so what you're saying is that you don't love me. So what you're saying is I'm a complete idiot. So what you're saying is, and how many times do we default to that instead of being easy to talk to about hard things, we put up a wall, we shut it out, we say, La, 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 I don't want to hear this. But that's not life-giving. Life-giving communication is we're going to assume that they love us, assume they're trying to help us. A fifth thing that will help us all be more life-giving in our communication is we should, when we are interacting with somebody or somebody comes to us, they're sharing, our spouse, our kid, our coworker, whatever the case may be, it's good to practice clarifying the desired outcome of the conversation. Clarify the desired outcome of the conversation. For example, and I don't know if it's just my parents or if it's all of your parents, or if you can relate, but I've noticed that in my relationship with my parents, the, the, older, the older that I got, the harder it was for me to relate with them because I had, I had outgrown the need for the typical kind of parental input and things like that, and I was not necessarily going to them as an authority figure per se, but I was going to them as a friend, as a trusted family member who, who I was just wanting to share my heart with. And, and my parents, they... They never outgrew the ability of going from mom to friend. And I think it's hard. And, I, and I'm not even quite there yet myself, but I, I've, I've seen it in others, and I want to be able to do that. Like, the, the way that I treat my kids when they're 8 can't be the way that I treat them when they're 38. 
So I've, I noticed that when I would like go to my parents, for example, they never outgrew the fact that I'm you know, 18, 21, 25, like all the landmark ages, not sure they ever registered. And when I would like share my heart or just share what was going on just to keep them in the loop because I love them because they're my parents, sometimes they would just immediately rush to fix what I was sharing or to advise me on what I should do or, or speak some word of caution about something that was a part of what was happening. And, and I think in, 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 in marital relationships, men are really bad for this. A lot of times women, our, our wives, our girlfriends, fiancés, they want to talk with us. They want to share our heart. And we're so quick to try to interject how they should fix it. Like, yeah, th- bam, just do this. Yeah, your friend, that da, 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 your little interpersonal deal with her, just do this, that, 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 that. And we try to fix things, right? Because men are fixers. We're fixers, and I want to fix, and let's move on. Like, okay, good. Like, And what I've had to learn to do over the years, whether it's with my son or with my wife or with others, even as a pastor sometimes, People will come to me, and they'll be sharing, and I will ask the question. Like, I will clarify the desired outcome, and I'll say to them, hey, are you, are you just kind of sharing with me what's going on? Are you sharing your heart? Are you, are you asking me for advice? Because I think that there's nothing that's more frustrating and more demeaning than when you're just trying to share your heart to somebody, they're immediately rushing to try to correct you, advise you. Anyone know what I'm talking about here today? So we can clarify the desired outcome. So those of us that may tend to do this, don't rush to fix, don't rush to warn, don't rush to advise. Just listen, find out if they just want to share because it's more life-giving. And maybe at some point in time, somewhere, they'll open the door for you to give the advice. And they'll say, would you please share with me what you think that I should do? The last couple, and we're going to close here today, as we talk about life-giving communication, is we should seek to understand where the other person is coming from, seek to understand their point of view, seek to understand what it is that they're trying to say, and not again just rush to express our opinion. They're trying to communicate something, and because of Whatever reason, our worldview, the filter that we, we observe things, etc., we don't get maybe what it is they're trying to say, or maybe they communicated it in the not most clear way, and as a result, we're rushing to some, some understanding that's off. Don't rush to judgment. Take the time to know the context. Don't assume like this is what Proverbs, Proverbs 18, chapter 2 and verse number, Proverbs 18, verse number 2 says. It says, a fool, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding. They just want to express their opinion. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding. A fool's not trying to figure out where you're coming from. A fool doesn't care about life-giving communication. They just want to express their opinion. So let's not do that. Let's listen. Let's be open. Let's let's try to understand where they're coming from. Old book from way back in the day, but one of the goat books. Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. 
seek first to understand, then to be understood. Like, I want to try to understand where you're coming from. I really want to try to understand that perspective. I really want to try to understand why you responded in that way. And then last, as we are together with the help of the Holy Spirit, trying to become more life-giving when we are in conversations and we're communicating with people in our world, let's try to use the right amount of words when we communicate. So when you're interacting with somebody, don't turn the conversation into a speech where you've got so much to say. And then don't make the mistake of offering up too few words where when we're trying to talk with you, learn you, discover who you are, who, what your interests are, when, when we are trying to get info and interact with you, we feel like we got to interrogate you because you're just, not, you're just not coming with anything. And I think that in all of our relationships over the course of our life, that there's going to always be this tension between too much, too few, too much, too few, and we're going to always be trying to manage this tension. In fact, I've, I've learned in myself as I've developed self-awareness over the years that sometimes in conversations, interactions, I am the guy that wants to default probably to too many words, especially if the other person is not very conversational or communicative. I'll try to overcompensate for them by just talking for us both. I'll ask questions, then I'll answer the questions. <laughs> and only you know who you are and how, how your personality is, but I think we got to develop some self-awareness in this because how, how challenging is it in marriage? How challenging is it in a relationship when you're trying to talk to somebody and they're just not coming off? You're like, please tell me nothing. Two-word answers. Hey, please. Or, or you're trying to talk to them. You're like, hey, tell me this. And then two hours later, they're pontificating on what it is that you were wanting to talk about. At the end of the day, as we kind of wrap this thing up, I think that the essence of life-giving communication as we think about our spouses, people in church, co-workers, all our relationships, the essence of it is this big idea. When we're done, when we're done with this interaction, when we're done communicating, I want you to be better and I want us to be better. I think that's the guiding principle, the guiding thought behind being, being the kind of person that Proverbs 10 talks about. In other words, adopting the attitude, the outlook that I care more, I care more about winning this person than I do about winning the argument. I want to be close. I want to have relationship. Even if it's just a working relationship, it doesn't mean we all got to go on vacations together, folks, but we're going to still win the person, and that's going to be more important than winning the argument. I just want to speak life over you, encouragement into you. We're going to maybe occasionally have to have some hard conversations, but it's going to be both given and received in a life-giving way. Really, the Apostle Paul puts it like this in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 11. He says, encourage one another and build each other up. Encourage one another and build each other up. Will you stand with me today? What are you talking about? I thought that verse in 1 Thessalonians 5 is 
just talking about random people. No, just imagine what our marriages would be like if we are encouraging one another and building each other up. Encouraging one another, building each other up. But you don't know, encourage one another, build each other up. But you don't see, encourage one another, build each other up. Encourage one another, build each other up. And the Holy Spirit, hear me today, I know that we're talking about some things that maybe has been difficult for us. Maybe we've struggled with some different one of these aspects. But the Holy Spirit, God sent the Holy Spirit when Jesus, when Jesus ascended back into heaven, he said, it is good that I go away because the Holy Spirit's going to come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit is going to rock your world. It's going to rock every part of your world, even to the most practical. In fact, when the Holy Spirit comes, it's not just going to give you as the church power, but it's going to give you the ability to have life-giving communication. Because you know, one of the fruits, one of the evidences that the Holy Spirit is actually present and alive in a person it transforms the way that we speak. It transforms the way we speak to God. That's why in Acts chapter 2, you read about when the believers were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in a language that they hadn't learned previously. And then you read later, Paul says, well, this, what that means is they're speaking to God with that unknown language. The Holy Spirit transformed how they spoke to God, and it also transforms how we speak to each other. Because we can, we can be praying in the Spirit all day long to God, but if we come out of that and we're rude and harsh and abrasive and dismissive with other people, guys, something's wrong. That's not how it's supposed to be. The Holy Spirit transforms the way that we speak to God and each other, and that same Holy Spirit is here today in this room right now to help us so that when we go out of here, this wasn't just a Sunday occurrence, but it's something that we can start applying in the car on the way home, at the restaurant with the server, tomorrow with the banker, whoever we come into contact with. Father, I just pray that you would help us with our communication. Come on, would you lift your hands with me today? I want to pray. I want to pray for you today as our worship team comes. We're getting ready to go back into worship together, but I just want to pray for you right now that you would just open yourself up to the Holy Spirit. In fact, would you do that? Would you lift your hands with me, and would you just open up your arms just as a as a gesture of I am here and I am wanting to receive and I am willing to receive. Can we just open ourselves up today to the Holy Spirit and can we just say in this moment right now, Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence and power and transform the way that I speak, transform the way that I communicate. God, I want to communicate to you in powerful ways and I want to communicate to others in loving and understanding ways. Touch my tongue today, Father. Touch my lips today, Father. Help me be a life-giving person everywhere that I go and in everything that I do. Father, I thank you and I honor you 
and I give you praise. Thank you, God, for second chances. Thank you for helping me with the grace to do things differently. God, maybe I've done it a certain way, and I realize it's affected others. It's negatively impacted others. Today, God, I'm making a fresh start. I want to be a brand new person. Fill me today with your Holy Spirit. I thank you, and I give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, church. Let's sing. Time for our final act of worship. We're closing out today by worshiping God through the, the giving of our money and our financial resources. We believe that to be generous is a tremendous privilege. In fact, Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. And, and as a church, we are trying to live this out and that we want to serve others and put others first, first and foremost, God. So we use this time to return our tithe to him and to give. And ways that you can do that are coming up on the screen behind me. And as you prepare to go out of here today, I just wanted to say again to all of you that are VIPs here today visiting with us for the first few times, again, welcome. Thank you for coming. And we wanted nothing from you this day other than for you to just encounter God in a real beautiful way and for you to know that you are loved by this growing faith family. And we would love, because we would love to have a relationship with you, we would love to be able to pray for you. And the way that we can do that is there's a card that's on your seat where you've been sitting that says next steps on it. If you could take a moment and just fill out that card, indicate that you're a VIP, and there's some basic contact information, and then as you leave today, you can drop that in the box at the back of the auditorium, or you can take it to the tent that's in the lobby, and if you take it to the tent, you'll receive a free gift. I want you to know that we have a hassle-free guarantee, so... Even though we have your information, we're not going to do anything weird like show up in your life or stalk you, wait outside of your job. Look, we're going to pray for you. We're going to keep you connected with the different things that are happening at our church. And then the best thing of all, because you turned in that card, we in your honor, we're going to feed a child in extreme poverty three meals in one day in the nation of Honduras or in the continent of Africa. So that's just one way we can say thank you for helping us change the world. So guys, can we welcome all of our guests that are here today, all of our VIPs. And we're getting ready to go out of here and have an amazing week. Do not forget to sign up for a small group. In fact, stop by the tent in the lobby. There's Another place in the lobby where Jesus is reminding us to be in a small group. Stop there as well. Somebody will show you the directory, will help you get plugged in. But we love you. God bless. Go make your life matter. Have an amazing week.